0: part one chapter six of the country house by john galsworthy this librivox recording is in the public domain chapter six influence of the reverend hustle barter along the walls of the smoking-room above a leather dado were prints of horsemen in night-shirts and nightcaps, or horsemen in red-coats and top-hats with words underneath such as Yorks, says Truster. Yorks, says Duke. My word, these blank cornites shall now see the trick. Two pairs of antlers surmounted the hearth, mementoes of Mr Pendyce's dear forest Strathbegeli, now given up, where with the assistance of his dear old Gilly Angus McBane, he had secured the heads of these monarchs of the glen between them was a print of a personage in trousers with a rifle under his arm and a smile on his lips while two large deer-hounds worried a dying stag and a lady approached him on a pony the squire and sir james malden had retired the remaining guests were seated round the fire gerald pendyce stood at a side table on which was a tray of decanters glasses and mineral water who's for a drollop of the crather a wee drop of the crather rector a drollop of the crather george a drollop george shook his head a smile was on his lips and that smile had in it a quality of remoteness as though it belonged to another sphere and had strayed on to the lips of this man of the world against his will he seemed trying to conquer it to twist his face into its habitual shape but like the spirit of a strange force the smile broke through it had mastered him his thoughts his habits and his creed he was stripped of fashion as on a thirsty noon a man stands stripped for a cool plunge in which he hardly cares if he come up again and this smile not by intrinsic merit but by virtue of its strangeness attracted the eye of each man in the room so in a crowd the most fallen-looking face will draw all glances the reverend hustle barter with a frown watched that smile and strange thoughts chased through his mind uncle charles a drop of the crather we drop of the crather general pendyce caressed his whisker the least touch he said the least touch i hear that our friend sir percival is going to stand again Mr. Barter rose and placed his back before the fire. Outrageous, he said. We ought to be told at once that we can't have him. The Honorable Geoffrey Winlow answered from his chair. If he puts up, he'll get in. They can't afford to lose him, and with a leisurely puff of smoke. I must say, sir, I don't quite see what it has to do with his public life. Mr. Barter thrust forth his lower lip. An impenitent man, he said but a woman like that-what chance has a fellow if she once gets hold of him when i was stationed at halifax began general pendyce she was the belle of the place again mr barter thrust out his lower lip don't let's talk of her-the jade then suddenly to george let's hear your opinion george dreaming of your victory sir and the tone of his voice was peculiar but george got up i'm too sleepy he said Good night, curtly nodding, he left the room. Outside the door stood a dark oak table covered with silver candlesticks. A single candle burned thereon, and made a thin gold path in the velvet blackness. George lighted his candle, and a second gold path leaped up in front. Up this he began to ascend. He carried his candle at the level of his breast, and the light shone sideways and up over his white shirt-front and the comely bulldog face above it it shone too into his eyes gray and slightly bloodshot as though their surfaces concealed passions violently struggling for expression at the turning platform of the stair he paused in darkness above and in darkness below the country house was still all the little life of its day its petty sounds movements comings goings and its very breathing seemed to have fallen into sleep the forces of its life had gathered into that pool of life where george stood listening the beating of his heart was the only sound in that small sound was the pulse of this great slumbering space he stood there long motionless listening to the beating of his heart like a man fallen into a trance then floating up through the darkness came the echo of a laugh george started The blank parson he muttered and turned up the stairs again but now he moved like a man with a purpose and held his candle high so that the light fell far out into the darkness he went beyond his own room and stood still again the light of the candle showed the blood rushing his forehead beating and pulsing in the veins at the side of his temples showed too his lips quivering his shaking hand he stretched out that hand and touched the handle of a door then stood again like a man of stone listening for the laugh he raised the candle and it shone into every nook his throat clicked as though he found it hard to swallow it was at bernard scrolls the next station to worsted skeins on the following afternoon that a young man entered a first-class compartment of the three-ten train to town the young man wore a newmarket coat natty white gloves and carried an eyeglass his face was well-coloured his chestnut moustache well-brushed and his blue eyes with their loving expression seemed to say look at me come look at me can any one be better fed his valise and his hat-box of the best leather bore the inscription e made you eight lancers there was a lady leaning back in a corner wrapped to the chin in a fur garment and the young man encountering through his eyeglass her cool ironical glance dropped it and held out his hand ah mrs bellew great pleasure to see you again so soon you coming up to town jolly dance last night wasn't it dear old sort the squire and mrs pendyce such a awfully nice woman mrs blue took his hand and leaned back again in her corner she was rather paler than usual but it became her and captain maydew thought he had never seen so charming a creature got a week's leave thank goodness most awfully slow this time of year clubbing pretty well over and we don't open for the first he turned to the window there in the sunlight the hedgerows ran golden and brown away from the clouds of trailing trained smoke young maydew shook his head at their beauty the country's still very blind he said all full pity you've given up your hunting mrs bellew did not trouble to answer and it was just that certainty over herself the cool assurance of a woman who has known the world her calm almost negligent eyes that fascinated this young man he looked at her quite shyly i suppose you will become my slave those eyes seemed to say but i can't help you really did you back george's horse i had an awfully good race i was at school with george charming fellow old george in mrs bellew's eyes something seemed to stir down in the depths but young maydew was looking at his glove the handle of the carriage had left a mark that saddened him you know him well i suppose old george very well some fellows if you have a good thing keep it so jolly dark you fond of racing mrs blue passionately so am i and his eyes continued it's ripping to like what you like for hypnotized they could not tear themselves away from that creamy face with its full lips and the clear faintly smiling eyes above the high collar of white fur at the terminus his services were refused and rather crestfallen with his hat raised he watched her walk away but soon in his cab his face regained its normal look his eyes seemed saying to the little mirror look at me come look at me can any one be better fed End of chapter six